welcome to another edition of From the Frontlines, how real estate managers are addressing COVID-19. Our topic today is unconscious bias in a pandemic. I'm here with Kelly Charles Collins, attorney, MBA, and CEO of HR Legally Speaking, empowering smart organizations to stay on the right side of the next hashtag movement. First, how would you explain unconscious bias and how is it different from discrimination? So unconscious bias are snap judgments that we make about people or situations. And it's based on things that we've heard, seen, experienced, or read. And what happens is that our brain gets 11, about 11 million bits of information every second, but we can only consciously process about 40 of those bits. So imagine there's tens of millions of bits of information that have to go somewhere. And so what I say is that it goes into it goes into the unconscious part of our brain, but I call it the junk drawer. So it's kind of like when you're digging around in your couch and you find everything and you know you don't know where it needs to go, so we pile it up in our junk drawer. And at some point later when we need to fix something or we need to attach something to, you know, we start digging in that junk drawer to find something that will make it work. And that's what happens with our brain. So as we encounter situations, as we encounter people, when we can't consciously process any more information, our brain starts to dig around and based on the things that we've already experienced in our life or things that we've heard from someone or seen on TV, we will then use that to make these judgments, right? Because the unconscious part of our brain is about fight, flight, or freeze. And so we're using that information to then make decisions. And it's not necessarily just about race or gender, which is what a lot of people um, connect unconscious bias to, or bias, right? Because when we're talking about bias and discrimination, we connect that a lot to race and gender. But it's not just about those things. It's about everything that makes us unique, and we use this information to create what are generally called stereotypes, right, about people and stereotypes about situations, and then we make these decisions. And what we have to understand is that this is more prevalent. Us using our bias to make decisions is more prevalent than conscious discrimination. And I will make, um, I'll explain to you the difference in one quick second. But it's important to understand that we all have it, right? It doesn't make us bad people, but it does cause us and influence us sometimes to make bad decisions. And so when you ask what is the difference between unconscious bias and discrimination, in a word, it's intention. So when we use our bias to make decisions or our bias influences our decisions, we don't intend to harm someone with making those decisions, right? Our brain is just reacting to the situation in a snap judgment type of way to come up with whatever it is either to protect us or sometimes it betrays us, right, in the way that we respond to a situation. But it's not intentional, whereas discrimination is intentional. That is a conscious decision that we're making to treat people differently based on some type of protected category, race, gender, age, um, ability status, religion. We're consciously making those decisions. And so people often say, well, if we all have it, we all have bias, then what's the problem? Well, here's the problem. Although there's a difference with regards to intention, the impact 
of bias and discrimination are the same. So think about it this way. You have kids playing out in the yard, right, and they're throwing around, a, kicking a ball or throwing the baseball or doing whatever. And all of a sudden that ball comes through your window and breaks your window. Well, they didn't intend to break your window, but your window is broken. So whether they intended to break your window or not, the impact of their actions is the same. And that's the same thing with bias and discrimination. And that's why it's so, so important for us to understand what our biases are and to disrupt them. So what are some of the more common biases? So the, probably the one that we think of most is stereotyping, right? We have, we stereotype groups of people. We say women can't drive, but you know we can, right? <laughs> women can't drive. Um, you know, we make all of these stereotypes about different groups of people, what they can or cannot do, what they are like or what they're not like, what their behaviors are. And so we get a lot of that from what we see on television because many of us are, don't grow up in diverse neighborhoods and so what we know about different cultures or what we know about different people is what is fed to us on television or what is fed to us in movies and so we create stereotypes about those people and then we make decisions based on those stereotypes many of which are faulty right they're false stereotypes another is what's called affinity bias and the easiest way to think about that is just like me, right? You have an affinity for someone because that person is just like you. Either that person is your same gender, race, went to the same school, live in the same neighborhood, went to the same college, in the same fraternity. Because you have that similar connection, you're more likely to treat them better, right? You're more likely to have a connection with them. You're more likely to be open with them. And so that's called affinity bias. One of the other ones is um, confirmation bias. And all of these things come up, whether we're in the workplace or, for example, with your members, you're talking about housing and you're talking about, you know, you all deal with the owners, the renters, the lenders, the, the property, you know, so you're dealing with a lot of different people. So one of the other ones is confirmation bias. And confirmation bias means I think something about you. So for example, I see you pull up in a car that is a beat up car, right? I think it's an old beat down car. And so everything else that I think about you, I am going to use to confirm what my initial reaction is, that you obviously are driving a beat up car, you must not be able to afford this property, you must not, you know, have a good job, you must not take care of yourself, you must not care about yourself, you must not care about your things because you showed up in this way. That could all be the furthest thing from the truth, but what we do then is once we have a belief, we look for all of the things that confirm that belief and ignore the things that would contradict or negate that belief. Um, and then another one is groupthink. And you could think about this like with a jury or um, where a group of people start to think collectively with one mind instead of voicing a dissenting opinion because they don't want to, they don't want to upset the group. And so you can see how that would happen, for example, if you had a group panel for an interview or a group deciding whether somebody should get a mortgage or should have, um, should 
be able to rent this property or purchase this property, if you might you might think differently, but you feel the pressure of the group, and so that's that's another one. There's some other ones, but those are really the ones that you will see more often, and people will easily recognize in themselves and in others. And what are both the tangible and also the intangible impacts of biases that fall through the window, so to speak? Right. So if we're talking about your your members have a unique um, a unique set of circumstances because you deal with not only the employment aspect of it, but you have the fair housing aspect of it. So mm-hmm. many years ago, I used to practice and do fair housing claims. And so I understand, you know, and it's similar in some way to Title VII, but there are also some additional things that you have to be concerned about. So for example, in your industry, what are some of the tangible impacts? It might be that somebody does not get approved for a mortgage or does not, you know, can't qualify for a loan or doesn't get, um, is not accepted to rent rent an apartment. It could also be in the employment context where you're not hiring someone to be a broker or a property manager or a realtor, right? And so it affects their ability to make money, so that's a tangible impact. It affects your um, it affects your your customers' ability to have housing or to be able to live where they want to live. So that's a tangible impact. So when we talk, talk about tangible impacts, a lot of it comes down to how does this affect our bottom line and how does this affect the people that are involved. And so in your industry, in the real estate industry, it could be the employee from the employee side of it but a lot of it is also from the consumer side of it. How does that impact their bottom line monetarily? So those are some of the hard costs. And when you're talking about what we consider to be soft costs or intangible, if we're talking about um, the employment context, you might see stuff like lack of diversity, right? That's one of the major things that is a symptom of unconscious bias is lack of diversity. Because when we have people who just think alike or they, you know, really rely on affinity bias and everybody comes in and looks like you, then there's no innovation, there's no difference, there's no unique thoughts so, or difference of diversity of thought, and so there's a lack of diversity. There could be, on the other end of it, as we just talked about, discrimination, and when you have... Um, organizations that have a lack of diversity and so there may be people who are the only one or one of few one of the other things that could happen is that you create these hostile work environments and it also affects you know who do we interview who do we hire who do we discipline who do we promote these are the types of impacts that are happening because it's impacting our decision-making and it's influencing us away from being objective and then personally, when you talk about how it, how it impacts us, it's really in two ways. It influences how we view and engage with other people and the relationships we have with them, but it also affects our own perceptions of ourselves, our own actions and our decisions. And so when you talk about perception, you, you're talking about how do we see people and what do we perceive as reality? 
how do we react towards certain people? So what is our attitude when we encounter certain people? And how receptive and friendly are we towards certain people? So really, how does that impact our behavior? How does it impact? It impacts our attention. Which aspects of a person do we pay most attention to, right? What stands out to us because of our biases, whereas in someone else, it would not stand out as much. And do we listen to people? Do we actively listen? So we know that people say, yeah, I hear you, right? But they're not necessarily listening to you. And so when we have a bias about people, then we may listen to them differently. And also, you know, how do we affirm what's, what's happening or what they're saying? And so there's all these little, um, these, these little impacts that you don't necessarily see, think about every single day. You don't really necessarily think about how am I listening to this person? Am I really paying attention to them? Am I showing a different attitude to this person as opposed to that person? But when we have our biases, because our unconscious brain is just working, you know, without us consciously knowing it, these impacts are happening, and we're impacting people's lives, we're impacting people's pocketbooks, and in turn, we're impacting your business. Along these lines, Kelly, how has the recent pandemic potentially played into this? So social distancing or physical distancing plays into it in a couple of ways. We've seen, and I've written a couple of articles about this, we've seen on TV that we have our elected officials, you know, we have the president, we have people who are in power trying to associate the coronavirus with China, which, you know, I have no, I'm not making a comment about whether it is or not, but what I'm showing you is that when we do that, it then attaches, it attributes something to that country, right? So it's attributing this virus to the country. Because of the coronavirus, now we have to social distance or we have to physical, physically distance, which has resulted in people losing their jobs, losing their livelihoods, not being able to go outside, not being able to do a lot of things. So it's human nature, right? When things happen to us and we try to figure out who is to blame, and so what is happening now is that because of physical distancing, because of social distancing, we're trying to figure out who to blame. And some people are now blaming China, and so they've called it, you know, the Wuhan virus, the Kung flu, all kinds of things, and then using that as an excuse to then make horrible comments or attack people of Asian descent. I was watching... Um, the news the other day, and there was a doctor going on the train, and a, a doctor of Asian descent, he was going on the train to work in New York, and people were tell, calling him dirty Chinese and telling him to go back to his country, and you've seen other people who've been beat up. And so it, it almost becomes an excuse to exhibit bad behavior, right? And so that's what we do sometimes also with our biases, is that they, they become this excuse for us to act in a way that is contrary to how we would normally act, but then it gives us an excuse that, well, it's unconscious, so I didn't know what I was doing, but we, we can figure out what we're doing and correct those behaviors. So how can we work to uncover these biases and disrupt them? So there's, there's a five-step process really to disrupting unconscious bias. One is to become aware of them. And the way that you become aware of them is to check yourself. So for example, 
if you're in the workspace or in your industry where if you're managing property, say you're managing a property, and you realize that you start to look back, because it takes reflection, you start to look back and you see that of the 10 properties that you've decided that were fit for you to manage all um, line up in a certain way. It's the same type of people, same type of background, and you realize that all the ones that you've decided not to manage, they all fit a certain mold. Then you can kind of, you need to ask yourself, well, why is that? Why is it that all of these people I find acceptable, all of these people I find unacceptable? So awareness is really about self-reflection. It's also, you know, if I see someone doing something for me to also bring it to their awareness because they may really not understand. So first you have to, to be aware of it. Second, you have to accept. So once you realize that you have this bias, then you have to accept that you have it because no need in, yeah, I know, but no, it's not a problem, right? You have to accept that you have it. And then you have to be concerned about the consequences. If we're not concerned about how our biases impact our decisions and impact other people, then we will never change them because it won't mean anything to us. So we have to make sure that we are concerned about the consequences Fourth, we have to have a willingness to change, right? So we have to, under, we, once we become aware of it, once we accept it, once we know that it's impacting someone, then we have to be willing to change it. And the fifth thing is to change. And so some of the ways, if you're concrete ways, if you're talking about, um, for example, we'll go back to the employment context. If we're in the, an employment context, and this actually could also translate into your industry. If you're doing some type of interview, right, so whether it's for a job, it's for a loan, it's for um, somebody becoming a tenant or a property owner, use structured interviews. So what does that mean? That means that you have, you're going to ask the same questions of every person who is coming for that interview um, or, you know, applying for that loan or applying to live in a particular property. Ask the same questions because then you have an objective baseline for which to compare each person. Now, obviously, once you ask those specific questions, the answers are going to be different. So while you're having the conversation with them in the interview, then you'll need to, you know, you'll follow up. Obviously, you know, we'll ask different questions of everyone, but there will always be this baseline of questions for you to go back to, to say, listen, we asked everyone this, and these are their answers, and so this is how we can objectively evaluate which person is best, and also when you're doing that evaluation to make sure that you have a group of diverse people who are involved in that decision making um, to make sure, again, that you have diversity of thought to be able to understand because sometimes things that we say or the, the behaviors or the mannerisms that we exhibit are cultural. And so maybe in some ways you'll think, well, you know, for example, that person was looking down. They weren't looking me in the eye, so maybe they're not truthful. Well, in some cultures, that's disrespectful. If you have diverse people in the room, there's somebody who might be able to say to you, no, 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 this is why that was happening. And so it may change your outlook on that person. So 
real, the best way to really start to disrupt unconscious bias is to become objective, to have put in objective structured standards. And one of the absolute best ways to disrupt unconscious bias is to have conversations with people about whom you have stereotypes to see if those are in fact valid. Thank you so much for your time, Kelly. Please continue to visit iRoam.org, where you'll find our page dedicated to providing updates and resources to support real estate managers in making informed decisions during this time. That's irem.org.